this morning to uh, Matthew 5. Matthew 5 is where we're going to start. How many enjoyed, in, enjoyed, <laughs> how many enjoyed Pastor Joel? That's what I was trying to say. That's a hybrid, enjoyed. That's what we did on Tuesday night. You guys enjoyed Pastor Joel on Tuesday? And I know uh, some of the leadership was here on Wednesday night. And um, just to let you know, we'll be putting those up on uh, the church website so you can listen to them here real soon. Doesn't he have an awesome voice? Kind of made my voice sound a little dumb, didn't it? <laughs> like, All right, this guy has a really cool voice. And then back to, hey, guys, how you doing? (laughs) He has an amazing voice. It's like, it's not just like low and bassy, but it's like a radio broadcast voice. He announces everything very well. And um, so I kind of felt dumb after talking. I was like, listen to his, his podcast. Listen to my podcast, The Voice Difference. All right, this is just my insecurities I'm talking about on Sunday morning. You guys okay? You guys like my voice, right? All right, good, good, good. Just not as cool as his, but still. So we're going to be putting um, the podcast up of Pastor Joel uh, from Tuesday, and I think also Wednesday, if we can put that up also, so everybody can listen to it. So I will be putting those up soon, and we're going to start a new series today called Salt and Light. And uh, we're going to read from Matthew 5 and verse 13. Matthew 5 and verse 13, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Verse 14, You are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket or on a lampstand, but it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16, let your light so shine before men that you may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Can I get amen? Amen. Now let's look at Colossians. Colossians 4. We're going to read a couple of verses before we get going. Colossians 4. Colossians 4 in verse 5. Colossians 4 in verse 5, it says, Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time, And let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer each one. Notice that. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer each one. Can I get amen? Amen. So today we're going to start a series called Salt and Light. Salt and Light. And we want to get into this this morning, and we're going to talk about salt this morning. So let's turn back to Matthew 5. Matthew 5, we'll get in the word here. You guys are responsive, right? Because we respond at all times. Matthew 5, in verse 13, let's read this again. Matthew 5, verse 13, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Now, we're going to talk about salt and light this morning, what that means. Now, this uh, passage is taken from the same uh, group of messages that we talked about when we did our first series. It's all from a sermon called Sermon on the Mount. And so, pretty much, Jesus was on a mountain, thus Sermon on the Mount. I know it's genius. Um, He was on a mountain, and there was hundreds, maybe thousands of people there listening to Jesus when he preached this message. 
Now, he's on a mountain, so a lot of people can hear him. They didn't have a sound system back then. So Jesus is preaching on the mountain, Sermon on the Mount, and there's a lot of famous verses that are in Matthew 5 through Matthew 7. And that's what we're talking about. Now, the other week when we were talking about first, it was in Matthew 6. Same part of the sermon, just a different part. Um, One big message he preached. And so this is taken from that same message on the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is talking to his disciples or believers in him. And he's talking to them and he says that you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now, he uses two examples. He uses the example of salt and light. So that's what we're going to be talking about the next couple weeks. He uses salt and light. Now, we're going to talk about salt this week, and we're going to talk about light next week. And he's saying that believers in Jesus, which most of us are in here, should be salt and light. And so we need to talk about what that means today. What does that mean practically in 2016, that you are the salt of the earth? So we're going to talk about that this morning. And so uh, the first couple things that I could realize about this this word, they're talking about salt and talking about light, especially in the times that Jesus lived, and still today, we use salt and light on a regular basis. Um, even though it's 2016, we use salt for a lot of different things, and we use light for a lot of different things. Same way it was 2,000 years ago when Jesus said this. And the, the two really things that it's talked about here is salt and light. Uh, you could get from this passage is that salt and light have an influence on the world around it. That was your moment to shout, and you didn't. <clears throat> salt and light make a difference in the world around them. Salt and light are things that can't be ignored when they're in uh, what, whatever it is, when they're in a room, when they're in food, when they're uh, used. Salt and light are influencing things. Salt and light are things that people have to take notice to. Salt and light make a difference wherever they are, like believers should make a difference wherever they are. And he says, you are the salt of the earth. And he goes on later on, he says, you are the light of the world. And we're going to be talking about salt here. And salt, and what we're talking about today, he says, you are the salt of the earth. He didn't say, you're going to be. He says, you are. Now, whether you actively act like that on an ongoing basis, you still are. If you're a believer in Jesus, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world in this earth right now in 2016. Now, a lot of people don't know that they are, so they're not acting that way. They're not living that way on a daily basis because they don't realize that they are salt and light in this world that we live in today. Now, let's look over at John 17. John 17, it's okay if we kind of introduce this today, isn't it? John 17, and this is a famous prayer of Jesus. He's praying for his disciples. He's praying for his followers. And John 17, and we're going to start in verse 14. So it's red letter. Jesus is praying this for his followers, and he says this, John 17, 14. He says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. Verse 15. Now listen to this key verse. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Verse 16. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word 
is truth. Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. But notice in verse 15, it says, I do not pray. This is Jesus praying, and he specifically says this to the Father. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Now, we need to talk about this because Jesus said, I don't pray that you take the believers out of the world, but they need to be in the world. Now, we all know this, that there is extremes in the body of Christ. And most people live in the extremes. They're not balanced like the Word of God is. (laughs) And so this is what we have. We have the extreme on the one end is this. We have the people that don't want to be in the world. They don't want to talk to the world. They don't want to even get a job because they don't want to be around worldly people. They start their own commune in somewhere in the United States where there's only Christians, where they have Christian water and Christian TV and Christian music and Christian food. And there's only Christians in their compound and it's called a cult. And that's weird. Because Jesus, if they were reading Jesus, he said, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but you got to keep them in the world. Because that's where you make a difference. You can't make a, a difference in a world that you're not in. So people that are having their compound with sackcloth and ashes, saving up for the apocalypse, in their underground bunker, are not doing anything for themselves or anybody else, and they're being unscriptural and unbiblical, and they're not following God, because God says you need to be in the world, not hide yourself in a compound in Montana. You've got to be in the world. And so that's an extreme, but how many know there's still people that are in that extreme? They don't live in a compound. They're, they're not living in Montana in sackcloth and ashes and have a beard or anything like that. They, they don't have an apocalypse bunker. But they're in the world, but they're not really in the world like a lot of Christians are. Because they don't know anybody who's lost. They go to work, they don't talk to anybody because they don't want to be contaminated by the world. So they're in and out at work. Yeah, you didn't want me to talk about this on Sunday. (laughs) So, So they go to work and they try to hurry up and just keep their head down and pray that no Satanist talks to them because they might get scared and Satan might rub off on them and... We're laughing, but that's what a lot of us do. And then we try to leave as soon as we can because we don't want to be around bad fellowship or bad people because we're Christians and and Christians only fellowship with Christians. Yeah, I knew it would be quiet this morning. All right, all right. Sacred cows. Bam, bam, bam. But Jesus says this, I want you to be in the world. I I don't pray to take you out of the world because you'll do no good out of the world. You're only making influence when you're in the world. Now, we'll talk about the other extreme. Because that's one extreme which a lot of people, and let me say probably more Midwestern Christians are more in this category than the other one. 
and realize the, the being in the world and reaching people and being salt and light message is not an anti-good fellowship message. <laughs> you just need to have it balanced. Because some people, and we know, we've been taught this church, I preach this, we need to have the right people, the right friends, the right fellowship. But some people have taken that to the extreme where they don't even speak to anybody who doesn't believe exactly like they believe. All right. It's going to get better. Hopefully so. It's going to get better. So we have one extreme over here, which is more Bible Belt people, which we are in the Bible Belt. Nothing wrong with that, but it's just who we are. So, So we have the escapism mentality. Let me escape from the world. And we talk a lot about Jesus come quickly. Jesus come save us. Jesus come get us out of here because I don't want to be here. But Jesus said, I don't pray to take you out of the world. I want to keep you in it. But we're praying, Jesus come get us out of here. We need to adjust our thinking. (laughs) Because we have a role to play. We have a job to play on the earth. And since Jesus is not here in physical form, we are the hands and feet of Jesus, the church is in the world. So if we're not going to be in the world, then the world has no hope. The world has has no way of getting out of what they're in, the bondage, the fear, the depression, the sickness, the disease, the loss, the the hopelessness. They have no hope because we are the church of Jesus Christ and we are the hope of the world and we are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. The church is. And you can say, well, Jesus is, but Jesus is only here through His church, through His body. So if we're not in the world, then Jesus is not in the world. And Jesus said, I I don't pray that you get me out of here, Jesus. Jesus. No, Jesus said, I pray that you're, you're here because you got a job to do. Don't try to escape. Trust me, you're going to be in heaven plenty of time. People are like, take me to heaven. You're going to be there forever. Could you chill a couple more years and do something for God while you're here? It's not like God's going to give you a time limit when you're in heaven. You're there forever. But we only have a window here on the earth to do something for God and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth, the hope of the world. So, okay, that's one extreme over here. The other extreme is this. This is more young people, millennials like myself. For the response to this message, they went the opposite way. So let me see how much I can look like the world, talk like the world, smell like the world, Go to the clubs like the world does, smoke like the world does, drink like the world does, listen to the same music that the world does, so I can relate to them. Because I have to be relatable to them. I have to be relevant to them so I can fit in and I can talk their language. That's another extreme. Both are wrong. Both are not biblical, and most people are not in the middle of the road. Most people are in one extreme or the other. So so since I want to reach people in the world, then i got to be just like them. But if you're just like them, how can you help them? If you're just like them, then why would they want anything you have when you're just like them? And you're struggling with the same addictions that they're struggling with, and you're hopeless like they are, and you're depressed like they are, and you're sick like they are. How can you reach people in the world if you're just like them. Now there's a balance here. 
And so this morning I wanted to talk about that first before we get any further because we don't want to be in this extreme and we don't want to be in this extreme. Because neither of them work. And neither of them is what Jesus has called us to be or called us to do. Jesus says, I want you to be in the world, but not of the world. And that's what we need to be. We need to be in the world because we can't make a difference in the world if we're not in the world. If we're not present, if we're not there, if we're not having relationships with people in the world. But he says, when you're in there, I don't want you to be of the world. Because if you start becoming like them, you will have no influence in that world. If you start doing everything like the way they do, you'll have no influence. If you start talking like they do and doing what, what they do and listening always to what they listen to and thinking what's funny is the things that they think is funny, you won't have any influence when you get there. They might say, well, man, you're the coolest Christian I've ever met, but you won't have any power to change anybody's life. Oh, uh-oh. Awesome, man, you're the coolest Christian we've ever met. You're so relevant and cool, but you have no power to change anybody's life. There's no difference between you and them. You look like them. You fit in with them. You got good relationships. But you're both stuck because you don't have any power. Because they're in the world, but they're of the world also. So Jesus says, I want you to be in this world, not one extreme or the other. I want you to be in it, but you don't need to be of it. You have to be made of something different than everybody else in the world. That's how you stand out. That's how you make a difference. That's how you have power on your life that you're different than everybody else. And not in a prideful, arrogant, annoying Christian way like some people are. But in a real genuine way that you're different than other people. And you don't even have to say that you're different. You're just different. And people notice that about you. That you're different, that you carry something different, that you have a different attitude, that you have a faith about you, that you have a hope about you, that you have a peace about you, that you carry yourself differently. Doesn't mean you dress differently necessarily. Doesn't mean you have a Christian bumper sticker and a Christian t-shirt. But it means that you're different because you're in it, but you're not of it. So people can't put their finger on you and say, well, you're like this. Because people will try to put you in a box. Say, well, you're like this, and you're like this, and you're like this. Well, you can't put a, you, you can't get me. Bam, you can't get me. Because <laughs> I'm different. And God made you different. God made you to stand out, not to be a part of the crowd. God made you to be powerful. God made you to go into your workspace and it changed for the good because you're there. And it to be different in your community because you're there. And to be different at your school because you're there. I'm preaching. I don't know if you're saying amen this morning. Because you are the salt of the earth and you are the hope of the world. And you are the light of the world. That is who you are. And we need to stop saying, well, Jesus, you're it. But Jesus is saying, no, my body is the hope of the world on the earth. He's not here in physical form. He's here by his spirit through his church, which we are. 
So we can't keep saying, well, God, I want you to change things. God, I want you to do things. God, I want you to, to impact. And this is not on my notes, but it's good. I, God, I want you to impact my school. God, I want you to impact my job. God, I want you to impact my neighborhood. And he's saying, okay, go for it. The real prayer is this. We don't really want to do it. We want somebody else to come and do it when we pray prayers like that. And I don't know if you realize this, but a lot of times we're the answers to the prayers that we're praying for. Well, we'll be back next Sunday, guys. All right. (laughs) You ever thought about that before? God, I really wish that my school would change. That's why you're there. God, I really feel like my, my, my job, they need revival here. Well, why are you working there then? God put you there for a reason. It could be uncomfortable and unpleasant at the moment, but you're there, so make a difference while you're there. God, my neighborhood, my community, my region needs change. Well, why did he put you there? For a reason. To be the salt of the earth and to be the light of the world and be the hope that people need. So before we talk anymore today or even next week, we need to realize we don't need to get into extremes as Christians. And a lot of us go to extremes as Christians. And we're not actually doing what the Bible said we should do, which is be in the world, but just not be of it. Now let's look at Matthew 5 again. You getting something this morning? Matthew 5. So Matthew 5 says, You are the salt of the earth. Matthew 5.13. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And we're just going to focus on that verse today. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So I want to talk about some things that salt does. Because most of us, when we hear the word salt, we're not thinking, yes! (laughs) Jesus called me salt! Isn't that an exciting thing? It's not like he called you a lion. He didn't call you like a cheetah. He didn't call you a superhero. He called you salt! Something you use at meals, salt and pepper. I mean, that's what he chose. It was like he called you ketchup or ranch or something. I mean, where is the excitement? It's a condiment, for goodness sakes. We could pick something a little better than this. If you really want your disciples and believers to get excited, pick something better than salt. Because salt is not exciting. But we're going to dive into this word and what it means and what it meant, especially to those who lived 2,000 years ago when Jesus said it. And actually, you'll get excited by the end of this message about salt. So, to start today, we want to talk about this. So what does it mean? It means you are the salt of the earth. So everyone in here, if you're a believer in Jesus, you are the salt of the earth. Notice he says, of the earth. Of the earth. Not in heaven. Because you don't need to be the salt in heaven. On the earth is where it matters. Right here in this life on the earth. You are the salt of the earth. But notice before we get into uh, some of the more obvious ones later on. Salt 
back then and today, one of the things it does is it purifies and it cleanses things. Salt purifies and cleanses. Believers in Jesus, people that are part of the church of Jesus Christ on the earth, we are here on this planet cleansing and purifying this world. If the world didn't have us, there would be no hope for people to be cleansed and purified. And some of you think that, okay, well, the world's in a really bad place right now. Imagine if the body of Christ wasn't here. Actually, we're doing pretty good considering if all 2.2 billion believers in Jesus left the planet right now and went to heaven, you don't want to know what this world would be like. And realize right now the reason that there is hope and there is things changing and there is people being saved and cleansed and purified is because the church is here, which we're the salt of the earth. So salt cleanses and it purifies. And some of you know that. If you've ever got uh, salt in a wound, ouch, it hurts. Because what is it doing? It's cleansing and purifying that wound. It's actually starting the healing process. And that's what we are supposed to be as the salt of the earth. We're supposed to cleanse and purify and heal this world. That's why we're here. Now, let me tell you a funny story. Brother Joe's in this story. (laughs) Before we go any further. You didn't necessarily do anything funny, but it's it's a fun story. Okay, so uh, a couple years back, it's been many years ago, uh, Brother Joe and myself went to Hillsong United Conference, the first one they ever had in Orlando, Florida. Um, It was just me and Brother Joe. It was a great time. So how many know if we're going to go all the way to Florida... There is no way we're not going to go to a beach. It's Brother Joe. How are we not going to slap a fish taco on our upper lip and at least try to go surfing when we're with Brother Joe? So uh, we're in Orlando for the Hillsong United Conference, the first one there ever was. We were there. We did it, me and you. We flew to Orlando. We went to Hillsong United Conference. And one afternoon when we had some time, we drove, I think it was about an hour away. Uh, I think it's Cocoa Beach. One of those. So we drove an hour away, and we were on the pier, and guess what we ate? A fish taco on our upper lip. We ate a fish taco, me and Brother Joe. And so Brother Joe and myself, we went, and you could rent surfboards. And you can imagine the quality of rented surfboards. (laughs) Like foam, just like the foam that you get in packing stuff. That's what it was, pretty much. So we were struggling. Okay, now this is the part where you don't need to judge me. Okay, you're not judging me on this part, right? Okay, at that time in my life, not that I'm still not in great shape, right? Come on, all right. Um, But at that time, I was super hardcore into lifting weights. Like now I'm like semi into lifting weights, but that time I was really hardcore into lifting weights. Don't judge me. At that period of time, I was shaving my chest. I said, don't judge me. Because that's what bodybuilders do. That's what bodybuilders do. It's horrible. It's very uncomfortable. Don't ever shave your chest. It's very uncomfortable. So one time I shaved my legs too. That wasn't a good idea. That wasn't a good idea. 
So that was the most painful experience. I have so much respect for all of you ladies in this place right now. So much respect. That was the most painful, uncomfortable experience I've ever had in my life. Especially the next day when you put on long pants. It just felt, oh, it felt so awkward. So weird. So I have a lot of respect for you. So, you know, that's what bodybuilders do. It's not right, but that's what they do. Okay. So for some reason, before, before we went on our trip, I was lifting weights. And like right before we left on our trip, I had shaved my chest. And not being the best shaver, I had a lot of cuts on my chest. So you can imagine the excruciating pain when I jumped into the saltwater ocean. The pain, the suffering. It was horrible. Brother Joe felt bad for me. He was just like, come on, baby, why you shaved your chest, man? Come on, why'd you do that? I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I was lifting weights, and then that's what weightlifters do, and it wasn't the best time to jump into salt water. But, you know, as much as that hurt, the salt water was actually cleansing those cuts. Oh, it was cleansing them, all right, and it was painful. And it was purifying those cuts, and it was trying to heal the cuts that were on my chest. I told you this was a funny story that you weren't supposed to judge me by. So let's get back to the, the real the real message here. So when salt is present, salt cleanses, purifies, and it heals. Now, this message is not supposed to get out to other people, right? You don't tell other people. Yeah, I know. So the first thing it does, it cleanses, it purifies, it heals. The next thing that salt does is it preserves. Now, when Jesus said, we're the salt of the earth, the salt preserves. Now, we know this even today. People use salt on meats to preserve them. And we have refrigeration. We don't have to do that. But especially in the time and period that they lived, they didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have little mini fridges in their office All they could do was if they wanted to save some things and preserve it, they would put salt on it to preserve it. So us in here as the salt of the earth, we're here to preserve the world, to save the world. And you can say, well, Jesus is the Savior of the world. But like I said, he's not here in physical form. He's here by his spirit through us. So us as believers in Jesus, we're the salt of the earth. We're here to preserve This world who is dying and decaying. We're here to preserve and save people that would be otherwise ruined. Without the salt of the earth being here. So we're called to preserve. We're called to save. And this is something interesting. In that period of time, I don't know if people still do it today. But they use salt as fertilizer. They use salt to make things grow. When we're the salt of the earth, we should make things grow around us. Places and people and situations that were otherwise dead and not growing, when we get there, the salt of the earth gets there, things start growing. Things start thriving. Things start changing at our job, at our school, at our house, in our community, wherever we go, whatever restaurant we go to, whatever store we go to, we should be making things grow just because we're there. 
Because we're the salt of the earth. So the salt of the earth is something that fertilizes. Salt of the earth also is this. Now we know this because we had a snowpocalypse 2016. You guys were here. You made it. Let's all give each other a high five right now. I'm serious. You made it. Look at somebody else and give them a high five and say, you made it. You did not die in snowpocalypse 2016. You made it. You did it. We're so proud of you. You made it through. Man, Kentuckyana people freak out, don't they? They just freak out when somebody says snow. You know what I think about snowstorms as a side note? There's a little rabbit trail. I don't care because I have four-wheel drive. And I just drive wherever I want to drive on a snowy day. Now, you could say this is wrong, but I say it's right. Because I'll tell you this. Other story that has somewhat to do with what we're talking about today. Not a shaving my chest story. But every time it snows, I drive no matter what they say because I have four-wheel drive. And I feel like i got to prove to myself and to everybody else around that I can get wherever I want to get. So this one year, I left really early, and there was nobody on the roads, of course. I came all the way up to church. And then I get a phone call from mom and Lauren, both saying, this is a state of emergency. Nobody's supposed to be out on the roads. I said, too bad, I'm already here. <laughs> so <laughs> I was just enjoying my redemption that day. Snow cannot stop me. <laughs> so I get out on the roads. The only people that are on the roads is UPS, FedEx, and police officers. So I'm freaking out because I'm thinking I'm going to get arrested. I'm thinking, how is this police officer going to pull me over in a state of emergency? Because I got four-wheel drive, so I could probably outrun him. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I'm a pastor. Pastors aren't supposed to do that. So the only place that was open that day was Qdoba, of course, because God loves Qdoba. And I remember I ate lunch with... FedEx, UPS, and police officers that day. We were the only people on the roads. Then I went home. Okay. So back to my point about storms. With the ice and the snow that we've been getting, we know this because we sometimes complain about it. They need to put salt on the roads so we can drive. Somebody needs to get out in the roads and and clear this off. They need to put salt because salt does something to ice to melt it away so that It can be clear for people to drive on. And so I know in that day, of course, in Jesus' day where he was living, they didn't have snow and they didn't have ice. But in 2016, where we live, we know that we use salt to put on ice to melt it. And so salt is really something that penetrates through the cold and melts it away so people can use it. And thinking about the salt of the earth and pertaining to the ice and the snow that's around us, salt has something in it that melts the cold away. It melts people's cold heart so people can receive the gospel. When we're salt in this earth with other people, that that salt should penetrate If people are cold-hearted and mean and nasty, that that salt just penetrates and melts it all away because we're the salt of the earth so that they can hear the gospel, so their heart can change because we're there. We're the salt of the earth. So salt penetrates through the cold. 
in the ice. It melted away. You're still here this morning. You didn't go home. You guys got to keep coming back to this church even after you know I shave my chest and I, I drive illegally when it snows and I got a lot of things against me today. I said, don't judge me. So it says in Matthew 5.13, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So, last but not least, we have a salt shaker here. I learned well from Brother Sean Gehring about object lessons. So, the last thing we want to talk about pertaining to the salt of the earth is this. Salt and flavor. Salt and in flavor. It has to do with flavor. Now specifically Jesus says, if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Now we all know this. First of all, if there's too little salt in the meal, there's a lack of flavor. And how many have met a bland Christian? A very vanilla Christian. A very khaki pants wearing Christian. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm speaking way too freely. This is only four weeks in, and this is pretty real (laughs) so far. So, a very, I'm not talking about your skin color when I say vanilla, but if the shoe fits, wear it. Um, (laughs) So, a very vanilla, bland believer. Khaki pants, white walls, no fun, believer. Now, Jesus says, if you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? How is anybody going to ever notice you if you have no flavor as a person? How is anybody ever going to listen to you if what you say has no flavor on it? And Jesus is saying, you're the salt of the earth, and what you say and the way you live should have some flavor, should have something exciting about it, should have something that people say, I want more of that, not I want less of that in their life. And you need to have some flavor about you. Come on, eat some Mexican food or something. Have some flavor. Come on, go buy a pair of black skinny jeans or something if you have to. Get out of the khaki pants for a minute. Do what you got to do. Get some flavor about yourself. Now, as you can see, I've never struggled with flavor in my life. That's a joke, kind of. But he's saying, if you don't have flavor, then what you're going to give people is not going to taste good. It's not going to taste good. It's going to be bland. It's going to be dull. It's going to be boring. And why would somebody want to be a believer in Jesus if that's all they taste when they get around you? And he says, how can it be seasoned if it has no flavor? And so we see that too little salt produces no flavor. You hear this morning. So if you just put a little bit of salt, no big deal. People just come and go and say, they're a nice person. They're sweet. But it's not actually doing anything in anybody's life. There's no power behind the way you live, behind the way you talk, the way you respond to others when you're out in the world. you got to have some flavor about you. 
Now, here's the opposite thing that happens. So, so too little flavor makes you bland. Now, too much salt is an issue, too. Too much salt in your food is nasty. Now, how many know you've ever pulled out a Qdoba chip? And there's that one chip that they decided to put all the salt. <laughs> and it just about made you throw up. You're thinking, man, the rest of this bag was perfect. And this one stinking chip ruined my whole day. Or you pulled out a french fry. And apparently all the f- salt in the whole bag went to this one french fry. And it's nasty. A decent amount of salt on chips and fries is amazing. New Year's resolution? Help us eat better in Jesus' name. So, but too much salt is nasty. How many, we all know that in here. When there's too much salt on something, it's a turn off. Ever heard this term? They just put a bad taste in my mouth. Not a show of hands, but how many of us Christians put a bad taste in people's mouth? And they don't just see you, they see Jesus when we put a bad taste in their mouth. Well, if Jesus is like you, then I don't want him because I got a bad taste in my mouth. If church is like you, then I don't want him because there's a bad taste in my mouth. And if we're too salty, it will ruin it for others. And it will put a bad taste in people's mouths when we go overboard with it. And how many know, myself included, we all have went overboard with people because not that our hearts were wrong. Not that we didn't really love people, but we were just trying too hard. We weren't letting the Spirit of God help help us. We were just trying to do it in our own strength. And we were saying, hey, come on, you need to get right. You need to do this. And you're just turning people off. You're not helping people because you're being too salty. You're putting too much. So if we have less salt, it becomes bland. But if we have too much, it puts a bad taste in people's mouth. We don't want to be in either of those categories because God has called us to be the salt of the earth and to add the right flavor to people around us. Add the right amount of flavor. Not too little, not too much, just the right amount. So we don't want to be in one category where there's no flavor at all and it's just bland and it's dull and nobody cares and nobody's like, oh my gosh, I want what you have in my life. And then there's the overboard Christian which we've all tried because we really we do love people. We don't want them to go down the wrong path, and we don't want them to end up in a bad way. But we're just... Sorry, Miss Jenny. It's just salt. And, and people are freaking out because it's like, oh, my gosh, there is a bad taste to my mouth. I'd like Jesus before this, but not now. So we need to be careful. Yeah, we are the salt of the earth, but we can do too much, push too hard, and put a bad taste in people's mouth. We don't want to be in that category either. We want to have the right amount. Now let's look at Colossians 4. We're going to close here in a moment. You guys getting something this morning? Colossians 4, verse 
Colossians 4 and verse 5, it says, Walk in wisdom, notice wisdom, towards those who are outside or unbelievers. Redeeming the time. Verse 6, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So he's talking to a church and saying, when you talk to unbelievers, you need to use wisdom on how you talk to them. Because you can either do too much or you can do not enough. And so you need to walk in wisdom, which wisdom comes from God. You need to let God give you the wisdom to know what to say and how to say it so that when people hear you, they listen because you got some flavor about what you're saying. And it's not bland, but it's also not too much and you're putting a bad taste in people's mouth. And he says, let your speech always be with grace. How many know if you're going to have the right amount of flavor, you got to have grace on your words. You can't be judgmental and mean and coming at somebody and expect them to say, yes, I would love to give my life to Jesus. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. But when you have grace on your lips, notice it says you'll, you'll have that seasoned with salt. Just the right amount. And I'm not a cook or a chef, but you know, just the right amount, not too much, not too little, can make the meal. Because it's got the right flavor. That you may know how you ought to answer each one. So notice, God will give you the wisdom on what you should say, your speech, with His grace, that's His ability, that you would have the right amount of salt. That it's not too much, not too little, the right amount. So when people hear you, they say, man, that's, that's got something on it. That's got some power on it. That's got some flavor on it. That's got something that I'm paying attention. That when you're eating that, that you want more of it. That when people experience you, they say, I want more of it. They want to experience that again. They want to know more about God. They want to know more about church. They want to know, know more about the Bible. Because you gave them the right amount. And what you said had flavor to it. Now let's look at John 4, last verse. John 4. So God has called all of us in here to be the salt of the earth. Like I said, salt cleanses, it purifies, it preserves, it fertilizes, it penetrates through the cold, it adds flavor. And we've got to ask God for the right wisdom on how much should I say and what should I say. Because too much or too, too little is a big thing to God. We've got to have the right amount to have the kind of flavor that God is talking about. That people say, I want more. And last but not least, before we read John 4, when you have salt, you get thirsty. We all know when you eat anything salty, you need some water. You need something to satisfy that crave, that thirst you have. It's the same thing with God. When we're in the world, when we're around people that don't know God, we should make them thirsty to know more about God. We should make them thirsty to know more about the Bible. We should make them thirsty to want to come and learn at church and be like us because of the salt 
of the earth. Salt makes you thirsty. And so we're in the world to make people thirsty and to realize their need and desire for God. To make people thirsty and realize that what they've been doing is not satisfying them. They know that, but when somebody like us comes, they realize their need for God and they get thirsty for the things of God. Now in John 4, before we read this, this is the woman at the well. And Jesus is speaking to her. And first of all, she thinks that he's talking about natural water, but then he's talking about spiritual water. In John 4, 13, it says, Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. So he's talking about natural water. You know, if you drink one glass of water, that's not enough the rest of your life. You need more water. But in naturally speaking, he's talking about much bigger than just natural water. He's talking about anything in this planet that we try to fill us Fill our hearts with, fill our lives with, we'll have to have more of that because it'll run out. That could be a career, that could be a relationship, that could be drugs, that could be sex, that could be family, that could be a friendship, that could be our car, that could be a boat, that could be anything. We're always going to keep being thirsty because it's not going to fill us up. And Jesus said in John 4, 14, But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So when we're the salt of the earth, we make people thirsty for God, and we can point them to Jesus, not ourselves, and say, when you come to him, you'll never thirst again. And not just naturally speaking, emotionally speaking, but every way spiritually, with your soul, with your body, you'll never thirst again. But we got to be the salt of the earth. we got to be present in the world to make people thirsty and realize their need for God. And when they do that, we can not just bring them to church, but bring them to Jesus. Say, no, this is what you're looking for. I know you're thirsty right now. You're searching right now. But Jesus is what you've been looking for. Jesus is what you've been missing. And Jesus says that when you come to him, you'll never thirst again. Now, as we're closing, I want to read this from the Message Bible out of Matthew 5. In Matthew 5, in verse... 13. Now, just listen if you don't have the Message Bible. Listen to what we're going to say here. This is so good. Matthew 5 and verse 13. Jesus says, Let me tell you why you are here. Wouldn't we all like to know? Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Listen to this. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? If you lose your saltiness, not God. If you lose your saltiness, how will people know godliness? How will people know God? They won't. 
So he says, if you lose your flavor, which makes you different than everybody else, how will people ever come to know God? It says, you've lost your youthfulness and you will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You are here to be liked, bringing out God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you do not think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand now that I have you on this hilltop. So shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up to God. This generous Father in heaven. I love that. It says, by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up to God. So it says, how can we affect people if we lost our flavor? How can people taste and see the goodness of God if the church has lost its flavor? They can't. We all know that that verse, taste and see that the Lord is good. But how are they going to taste and see the Lord is good? Through the church. Through us. How can they taste and see that God is good? How can they experience God if the church has lost its flavor? So my encouragement today and next week we're going to talk about light. Is this. I wanted to preach this message because we have to realize all of us in here. That what we're called to do is so much more than Sunday morning. The way we're called to live is so much more than Sunday morning. Our life is so much more than what happens with us and God on Sunday morning. And that's where the disconnect is in a lot of believers because they enjoy what happens at church, but they're not satisfied with the rest of their life because you're missing the point. Because what God has called us to do is not just a Sunday morning thing. Really, Sunday morning is where you get built up and encouraged to do what you do Monday through Saturday, not just... To come to church on Sunday. And so we miss the point when we think that what I do is just Sunday morning. And how many know with a bunch of salt in here, it's kind of disgusting? It's a bad taste in your mouth. Why? Because salt has to be spread out there to make an impact. Salt has to be spread out there. To make a difference. Salt has to be out there to make a flavor. Salt has to be out there to preserve people. Salt has to be out there to fertilize things. Salt has to be out there to do something not in here. And I feel like as our church is changing and transitioning, this is the big part of it. We're going to go from Sunday morning Christianity to our lifestyle. Realizing that the same anointing that came on you Sunday is for Monday through Saturday so you can be salt wherever you go. That you can be light wherever you go. And you can be hope wherever you go. And that will change not just your life, but the people's lives around you. Realizing that's who God has called you to be. Not just a church-going believer who's just here on Sundays. But you've been called to be the salt of the earth every day. Of the week. Did you guys get anything today?